Hello and welcome to the ChannelBuzz.ca podcast. I'm Robert Dot, editor of ChannelBuzz.ca and as always, your host for the show. Today we're joined by probably our most frequent podcast guest and our go-to guy for all things security, Tony Anscombe, Chief Security Evangelist at ESET. ESET's recently launched new threat intelligence services, taking a lot of what they learn from their millions of touch points and security points worldwide and offering it as a subscription service to customers and partners alike. Tony walks us through what they're offering, the benefits for solution providers, both in terms of how they can resell some of those services to their customers and how those who've gone deep on their own security practices can use it to make their practices even stronger. It's a great conversation, so let's get right into it. My chat with ESET's Tony Anscombe. Tony, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. Oh, always good to be here, Rob. Research has obviously been a big part of, of what you guys do and what any security vendor does for a long time, but you guys have recently made some changes in the offerings around that research and how, how you're offering it to customers, to partners, that sort of thing. Can you kind of walk us through uh, the, new, uh, the new research intelligence um, services that are, that are in place now? Sure. Well, as you said, I mean, research is a big part of ESET's business and always has been. And you know, what we've done is we've productized some of the things actually that we've been providing to some people around the world for quite a period of time, um, because actually it's becoming more interesting to to, to many people. As you, and as you know, the, the kind of threat, whole threat landscape has changed, whereas it's not necessarily only about malware these days, it's about the incursion into somebody's network and the cyber criminal sitting in that network. Uh, so understanding the techniques, the tactics, and, and the way that people are getting into networks is super important, which is why you've seen the, the rise of EDR and such like. Mm-hmm. What we've done is, is there's several pieces to this. We've got a, a, a bunch of threat intelligence feeds, uh, which includes things like URLs and botnets and, and uh, you know, other, other – uh, there's six in total, six types of feeds. And we've also got some reports, and those reports are more APT-focused, um, now, interestingly, first reaction might be, well, APTs, that's well, you're after nation-state stuff, governments or critical infrastructure. Uh, a lot of APT stuff spills over into uh, corporate mm-hmm. stuff as well. So the, the mechanisms that being being used by APT groups are then often adopted by e-crime cyber criminals as well. So it's important, actually, that businesses stay abreast of both. So people can take a feed from us uh, in different formats, all the industry standard formats, um, mm-hmm. and those feeds are very heavily curated, um, and they can plug those directly into their SOC. Now, from a channel perspective, if the customer's got a SOC, this is a service that you can kind of sit in the middle and sell them the service uh, for them to provide. But, of course, there's an awful lot of uh, MSPs out there or or yeah, specific, I, I would say, specialized resellers out there that may actually be running their own SOC MSS. and providing, yeah, and providing that as a service through to the end customer as well. That in that instance, they can take that data feed and plug it into their SOC, and it can be utilized for the bunch of customers that are sitting under their managed service as well. So, so I'm guessing the audience then is uh, is by nature a fairly uh, security advanced kind of organization that's looking for that leg up, that's looking for that um, late breaking or or yeah, late breaking information and and what's what's new and what's going on kind of stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. This, this is not, uh, yes. I mean, from both the end customer and the, the MSP or the, or the reseller, this is not, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the sandwich shop down the road doesn't need to maybe <laughs> be subscribing to the uh, threat intelligence feeds and, you know, the mum and pop shop that does, you know, comes out and services your printer is not the people, that, probably not the people that are going to be selling it to you. So, yeah, it's a specialised service. But if you look at... Um, if you look at the shift in, for example, cyber risk insurance, and, and I know you and I have spoken about that particular topic before, you know, cyber risk mm-hmm. insurers have gone towards EDR. And if you then look at EDR, that's kind of more SOC. You're heading off towards that more security operations center type environment while having them feeds uh, and whether somebody's even running somebody else's EDR. I don't know why you'd be running something other than ESET's EDR, but um but if you were, you might actually then take feeds from multiple sources, and we might be one of the sources that you take that feed from, uh, specifically to get that quality uh, of intelligence coming through in real time of what to look, yeah, you know, of what to look for and what's prevalent at that moment in time. Now, of course, and I, and I say a feed from us. Yeah, most companies would take feeds from multiple places. Yeah, you know, I'm very much a realist, as you as you know, uh, and. Yeah, you would take. We have specific geographies and specific uh, specific uh, areas where we excel, and other you might supplement that with other things as well. I'll give you an example. I spoke to somebody the other day who turned around and said, "Well, that's really interesting, but we've got all these manufacturing plants in country X," and, and it was like, "Okay, well." You might need to kind of talk to somebody that can actually has better coverage for country X. Than we do, but we for the the manufacturing plants you've got in this region, you know we can help you out, uh, and you combine the different feeds. So intelligence coming from multiple sources is also a good thing. And this is this is I presume a, a subscription model, or is is especially with the reports, is there is there a one off kind of model, or how does how does that look for the the customer or partner? So it is a subscription model, and. Um, it might. What I'm going to say is, is it, we're transitioning, as you said. You know, this is a new service we brought out recently, mm-hmm. and at this moment in time, it's a subscription model that has an annual cost. Yeah, uh, and I point this out because we are m- looking at how to add this into an MSP type service cost, where it's billed down on on a monthly or or, or shorter period times time scale as well. And we work. We are we are working on that. You know, one step at a time. Uh, there's also a discussion around. Uh, at the moment, the reports are uh, a reseller will be selling through the reports or using them for their own basis. You know, we're also looking at how the reports can be used. You know, maybe purchased by an MSP and then certain pieces of the report distributed down into their customers as well. Uh, as so, all those things are, are being worked on. But it's definitely a channel-friendly, channel-friendly topic, and more importantly, actually, I think it's a topic that um, MSPs and the channel—it's a differentiator again, yeah. Mm. Because you're walking into the customer with something new in the pocket, actually, uh, a high-quality uh, topic that actually is probably they might be six months to a year out before they actually start thinking about doing something. So you're also showing you're you're on that bleeding edge of technology, so to speak. Um, so, so the feeds um, describe what you guys are seeing out there in the uh, in the wild, as it were, in the in the 
all of the devices that you guys have visibility into as uh, as a result of what you guys do for a living. Uh, are the the reports? It looks like are a little bit more on the the customized to the customer side, or are they also that kind of a, kind of an approach? Um, so the reports the, uh, and the reports take several forms. Um, okay, and in fact, and in fact. Uh, you can see there's a very, very high-level version of the, the APT report that we publish. We actually publish publicly on wheelofsecurity.com. Uh, but if you delve kind of above that, there's a what I define as a board-level report. I mean, it might be C-suite-level report as well, uh, which still goes into some detail, actually, but kind of excludes the technical detail of exactly how some of these um, APT groups uh, methodologies and technologies being used, but it tells you what you know where their focus is and how that focus might be changing. So, for example, um, uh, I, I can tell you that in, in the report that's shortly going to be published, there's some APT groups that have changed geographic focus in some instances. Mm. Um, so you can see things like that, but you'd see them as they happen as opposed to waiting for us to produce this six-monthly free report, you'd be seeing that up front and you'd have all the detail behind it. Um, so that's the summarized report. And then there's a te technical report that sits on top of that, which actually belongs to, very much belongs to a, the security analyst team uh, or mm. the cybersecurity team in the organization because it will have all the details on the current IOCs and how, how, they're, how they're being used, et cetera, uh, and that's that's a true technology uh, intelligence feed. Well, it's not a feed; it, it's a report. But you, you get my point. It, it's it's education to the technology team. It's deep. It's deep into the weeds. It's for the the guys who are are the folks who are in in the sock and and making the changes, as opposed to the the first one you described, which is uh, a, a tool for for management for for sales for those kinds of things to uh, to to get the information out there, but without the the nitty gritty details of it. Well, yeah. And if, if for example, uh, you're a business that has to say report publicly, um, that high level report might actually help you focus your uh, disclosing what your business risk is as well. Mm. So for example, if, if you're listed on the NYSE and you have to fill out a 20F, which is a risk, what the risks to your business are, you might be taking some of the high level stuff out of, that management type report and and using it in not word for word, but you might be using the the base for the basis of explaining how you see your cyber risk uh, and what the threats to your business are. Certainly, if you're in, in critical infrastructure. All right. Um, uh, you mentioned, I believe, that um, at least you've been you've been doing this kind of thing uh, in in the past with at least some customers, and that's I don't that's any surprise that that would be the case. Uh, curious, what's what's kind of driving the the productization of this? Is this just something that you see a broader applicability for, or this is becoming uh, a service that actually most a lot of customers are now looking for. Because, as I said, the, the threat landscape changed, didn't it, slightly? And, and now you see even e-crime e cyber criminals, you know, they'll get into a network. They won't deploy malware. They'll sit in the network. They'll move laterally around the network. They'll map the network. And actually, how do you detect that incursion? So you need to see how that, uh, how that initial compromise happened or, uh, and you know, if you're taking one of those threat intelligence feeds, uh, indicators of compromise might be in there so you're actually looking for that incursion as opposed to you know a piece of malware being uh, executed 
Um, and the important thing is, is also the quality, because one of the things, uh, and, and you know, I've just been at RSA this week, and one of the things that's actually come up in discussion with a lot of people is, is about quality, because there are, of course, different feeds. There, You can get some feeds potentially in the public domain, but actually what you don't want to do is take a feed that's got huge amounts of data in it that is uh, what I define as fodder. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, data that doesn't actually belong in the feed, or or data mm. that's not time sensitive, or is just not appropriate for your environment. So, you actually need to take a feed that is well curated, is accurate for your environment, and you need to understand the noise level that comes out of it. What you don't want to do is take a feed where either your security analysts are then sitting there spending eighty percent of their time uh, trying to curate the feed themselves, or yeah. The noise level that comes out of having the feed creates way too many alerts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that you end up you end up having a, a bad experience. So I'm just saying, this is about quality over quantity. It's not I've got the biggest feed. It's I've got the best quality feed. I, I don't think there are many security professionals who would argue with that being a good idea. I've, I've, I've seldom heard the idea that they're getting uh, too few alerts on uh, on uh, things that uh, that are really not concerns at the end of the day. Well, and, th- and that's part of the thing, isn't it? And that's, you know, if you look, the resourcing issue in the security industries is an issue. So actually, that's the other reason to have a well-curated and high-quality feed. So, for example, we don't, uh, you know, we make sure if we see something that's coming in into you know if you're taking the current feed from us now, yeah, there's a period of time before we will reintroduce the same thing into the same feed. So we we will make sure we're not duplicating efforts either. Mm. Um, however, if we see prevalence continue, then it will continue to be in the feed. But if prevalence gotcha. dies, it, it doesn't end up being uh, being duplicated. All right. So it sounds like uh, primarily a, a sell through to customer kind of opportunity for the vast majority of partners. And then for those who are deep into managed security uh, themselves and, and operating that SOC, it is, it's a, something that they might be taking on as uh, as a customer of ESET in this case. So uh, quite a few, quite a few modes that partners could be engaging with you guys around this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually it's, to me, it's one of those topics that, like I say, I think we're going to, to a certain level, be educating the channel on, on why people need threat intelligence and why this is important. Uh, so if, if somebody's got questions, they should reach out to us. We're more than happy to have a discussion with them. Um, and I think, it, like I said at the start, I think this is also something cool for the channel to start going to talk to their customers about. Even if the customer's not quite ready, it shows that you're on the ball and, and you're thinking ahead and looking at what the future requirements might be. And that's uh, that's always always important. It's, it's it's perhaps hackneyed in the channel space to say trusted advisor, but uh, that really is what it's all about in terms of of getting and and keeping good customers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, you have to have that strong relationship with your customer. Otherwise, there's always another re- there's always another partner around the corner that will be knocking <laughs> their door. Um, obviously, you guys have uh, on the research side. You you publish we we live security, and that's kind of the, like the public facing side of this. Um, does does making this a, a productized offering change anything in terms of the rest of the structure of the 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 research and analysis kind of division at ESET? Or no, not at all. If you look at what we publish on we live security, um, 
And, and as you know, Rob, we, if we publish a piece of research, we typically put the IOCs into the end of that piece of research mm-hmm. and we'll um, publish uh, publish lists on, on GitHub so people can download it. But this is an automated feed then. I mean, you're taking a feed across everything we're looking at and everything we know to be prevalent, whereas individual items that we publish in, on We Live Security, yeah, that would be an awful lot of work. However, I will say I have sat through another vendor's presentation, another cybersecurity vendor in a similar space to us, and their entire presentation was how, how you take a piece of information off of We Live Security and how you build it into their system <laughs> using the ESET IOC list. And I, I, I'm just saying that, uh, but I would say that's a bit of a heavy way to do things. Um, <laughs> we went, it, it, it shouldn't change anything. You'll still see lots of great information published on We Live Security. Yeah, we are... We are a product company, as you know, but we are heavily research-focused, and I always refer mm. to us as a research company uh, with great products. But you know, on occasion, I get corrected by our sales team that we're a product company with research. <laughs> uh, but I still believe, actually, that our, as a company, we're heavily focused on research, and that's not going to change. Well, and then the good news for your arguments with uh, the the folks at sales there is now that the, the research is uh, is to a degree a product itself. Perhaps there's a, there's an opportunity for some detente there. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, one thing I've forgotten to uh, forgotten to mention: if you take, Please. depending on the level of service you take from uh, threat intelligence, um, if you take the uh, uh, kind of the premium service out of it, you actually get access to our researchers as well. Mm-hmm. Now, this could be super important for some businesses uh, because if they see, for example, you know, if in a feed we turn and say that, that you, know, you need to be looking for this IOC and they suddenly go, yep, we've found it, it might actually be <laughs> advantageous to talk to the researcher that from our side that specializes in that particular variant or that particular geography mm. or that particular category. So. Um, yeah, you can get access to our research team as well through this. So a chance to pick the brains of those who are who are really in the deep on this stuff. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, anything else that partners need to know about uh, about what you guys are doing here with the uh, the threat intelligence services or or where you see this going? Um, I don't think so. Other than you know, kind of watch this space because it is an initial release. Uh, like I say, it it currently does work as a chat channel based product without question but i'm sure there's going to be new iterations of it as we go down the line uh on how it's delivered and how we how we mold it to fit msp models and stuff like that so yeah and channel partners feedback is always valuable in that conversation don't wait for us to do something you know Mm. come and tell us what you think it should look like all right, sage advice. Thanks for uh, thanks for filling us in on what's going on, and good luck with uh, with rolling out and and evolving it. All right, thank you for the opportunity to come talk about it, Rob. There you have it. A look into ESET's new threat intelligence services, courtesy of Tony Anscombe. I'd like to thank Tony for joining us on the podcast. Thank ESET Canada for their ongoing support of the site, and of course, thank you for listening. The podcast will be back next week, so please make sure you're subscribed in your podcast app of choice, and we'd really appreciate it if you'd consider leaving a rating or review to help others find the show. Until next time, I'm Robert Up for ChannelBuzz.ca. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you around the channel. <laughs>